Welcome to the Opinionated Benchwarmers Podcast, episode 13. Your Opinionated Benchwarmers are back. Robert, Carlos, and Ramon. And we are here to discuss fantasy football as well as opening football week. How y'all do? How y'all guys doing? Man, I'm feeling good. It's Thursday, August 30th, man. We, about, we a week away from football, man. How crazy is that? We went all summer, no football. Football is a week away. Let's do it. Yeah, man, I'm excited as well. We can finally start, you know, watching some sports again. You know, we kind of had that little day for, for a little bit. So I'm ready to get this football season going, and let's get ready to run it, man. Well, I'm excited as well, as ever because we just finished our, you know, our league draft, fantasy football draft, and I think that I dominated the draft. Um <laughs> It was an awesome draft, man. 17 rounds in an hour. So that lets you yeah. know how competitive and how uh, how competitive our league is and how everybody's in tune of what's going on. I think our league is probably one of the best ones out there, bro. Yeah, I think so, bro. Like you said, bro, each year we run this league, 10 teams. We only let the best of the best in the league. So not just any old body can come in and think they're going to be a part of it. You got to be ready to compete. Week in and week out, and pretty much no weeks off in our league, none at all. Yeah, I mean, the last couple of years it's been like a you know two or three loss you know span. If you lose two or three games, you probably gonna end up out of the, out of contention. Yeah, and another thing, notice you know the league I change over our league. You know, you look at you know like your team, Rob. You went from the champion to the last place. You know, oh, you just <laughs> had to mention that. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Hey, I love, bro. I love it. Hey, bro, you just had to mention that, didn't you? That's just irrelevant information. But you're right. If things can turn around, I had a lot of injuries last year. But, I mean, oh, that's neither like an excuse to me, huh? <laughs> that's neither here nor there. But let's give some tips off based off of our draft or some trends that we noticed that could probably help somebody who drafted. It's probably the last of the drafts is this weekend. Uh, I know I have one draft uh, Saturday and I have another one Wednesday. So I mean, let's give some tips based on the drafts that we that we participated in. I mean, one one thing I noticed was uh, tight ends going early. Um, I think that I think that it probably just sets the tone of you know when a rare position like a tight end goes because I noticed when Ramon took Gronkowski, then there was a domino effect. Then the, the next guy say, "Oh, I gotta go get Kelsey," but Kelsey is not in the same realm. As Gronkowski, and you probably could wait a little later. Because when did you snag Gronk? Third round. Third round. third round. So, I mean, you could probably get Kelsey in like the sixth round. Fifth or sixth round. Well, I, I say Kelsey is a fourth or fifth. Yeah, so, I mean, you you could, you know, you wasted on a, another tight You wasted on a tight end in those early rounds when you can get another running back, which are very, very rare this year. And all, you know, a great wide receiver one or two in this spot, you know? So I think that, you know, just advice, you know, just kind of stay away from the trend. You know, have your game plan set of what you're going to do and don't allow anybody to dictate what your strategy is because I feel like Ramon taking Gronk that early put a lot of people in a trick bag feeling like they had to go grab a tight end early when they necessarily didn't have to. Yeah, but why wouldn't somebody want to follow what I do, right? I mean, you know my oh, track look record, at this so. dude, man. We're trying, we trying to give people some advice here, man. Now, sometimes it's, it's smart to, you know, when you see a run on positions in the later rounds to 
go ahead and grab your position before they run out and you stuck with somebody that you don't want. But in the early rounds, you know, my strategy over the years have all, has always been to just take the best player available. You know, some people are stuck on that, oh, I need a running back, I need a wide receiver in my second pick. You know, if you just stick with the best player available, at the end, you know, you ultimately will be happy with your team. You know, if that includes taking running back, running back, first, second round, or that includes taking wide receiver, wide receiver, hey, they were the best positions available, you got two of the best players on your team, instead of letting somebody else take that position just because you reached on another position, you know, let's say you take a wide receiver first round, you know, you take Hopkins with the seventh pick, and then when it swings around, you're like, I already got a top receiver, I need a running back, and so you reach on, let's say, a position like uh, uh, the number one uh, running back like Mixon or somebody, you know, in a 12-team league. Let's just say that, you know, you reach on that player, you know, then at the end of the day, you possibly passed up on a Michael Thomas or Keenan Allen for Mixon, you know, mm-hmm. just to grab that position, and it ruins your, your, your pretty much your draft hmm. and your, your team. Yeah, that's good advice, bro. That's really, really good advice. I think that, you know, when you're preparing for your draft, I think that, just like you say, you, you got to pinpoint – you know, you should have a list of each position and in, in, in where you value those players. And I would go as far to say as knowing exactly the round that you want a specific player or where you feel like a player should be. You should have a list of like three players that you're going to get. If they're available, I'm going to snag them. You Each round should be designated to a player that you, if they're there, you're going to snag them. And what that avoids, that avoids when you get in the draft and something happens like what Ramon did. He took a Gronk in the fourth round, which is which is nothing wrong with that. But a Gronk, the the drop off from starting, like I said last pod, Gronk is like a wide receiver one to me in my eyes. You know, so you know you looking at Gronk and then you look at Kelsey. Kelsey is an excellent tight end, but it's a little more room there for you to draft him. I don't think you have to have to snag him in the fourth round. I think you could get him in the fifth or sixth round. But just like I said, it's important to really pinpoint what player you want in each round. You should have that written down for your draft. And then I think a key thing, too, to even piggyback on what both of y'all have been saying, really, especially early off in that draft, as he was stating, pick best player available. Because at the bottom, the end of the day, when you set your lineup, it's not going to be, well, okay, this you know, I got this wide receiver one and this running back. It's going to be however many points you can score. However many total points you can score. So you want to make sure you're putting your team in the best position that week in and week mm-hmm. out they're getting as many points as possible. And it's not, well, okay, I can get 40 points for my receivers and got to make sure I balance it out with 35 for my running back. So however that turns out, no, nah, you want as many points on that field, as many points scored as possible. So... Um, as he was saying, you know, you can kind of get away from, okay, if I just snagged a wide receiver, I got to go get a running back. Or if I just took a running back, you got to be kind of flexible with those things. And sometimes, too, sometimes when a surprise falls, don't be so... Yeah, don't overthink don't it. Don't overthink it. Go ahead and take that player, that value that is falling to you. Yeah, that's how I felt when I took Cam. Uh, I think I took him in the fifth round. Sixth, sixth round. round. Sixth round. Uh, what it came down to, you know is I looked at the board and saw what was available and I really didn't like what I saw. So that's a good that's a good point in the draft. Man, I'm spilling all my jewels right now, man. Yeah, come on, let's go. <laughs> let's listen to here, bro. But at that point, at that point when I'm looking at Cam's, you know, 
I'm not seeing anything on the board that I really like at that six-round spot. So then I went and pulled. That's a great time to get a quarterback. Now, all drafts are different, you know, depending on how people draft. But just keep in mind, like, if you see, like, if you don't really like what's on the board at that spot, it's nothing wrong with going and get a quarterback because there's a long list of quarterbacks that can help you tremendously. And, you know, I'm very, very happy and very satisfied with getting Cam in that sixth round because I know that he, you know, you know that 2015 year reminiscing on that where he was responsible for over 50 touchdowns and that was with his legs and through the air. So, you know, when you got a guy like that that's out there, you can look at pull from that quarterback list, you know. And, you know, whether people want to admit it or not, I know a lot of fantasy analysts say you can wait as long as you want to the ninth or tenth round and grab a good quarterback. But I found over the years that that's really not true. The year I won the championship, I had Drew Brees. And Drew Brees had one of his best career seasons, which was like a what, two years ago in 2016. And, you know, it, he led it. Like, you know, some quarterbacks, you know, you can get, you can get like, go get a Matt Ryan, but he's not going to be consistent. Or you can get a Matthew Stafford who's not going to be consistent. But you can get an Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady who you know week in and week out is going to give you 20 points. You know, it's a difference. So, there's nothing wrong with going and get that quarterback if you don't see anything else you like on the board. So, I, I would like to add, you know, that's a good point. I would like to add a couple more tips that I kind of stick by is, you know, a lot of people, you know, you get drafts and you will notice that a lot of people, they draft with their hearts and not their, their, their brains, you know. So, you get a, a, a player that's, you know, that loves a certain team, you know, like one of my Yahoo leagues that I'm in right now. He's a Texans fan, so, you know, you got him taking Deshaun Watson in the second round, DeAndre Hopkins in the first round. So, you, you know, don't draft with your heart. You know what I'm saying? Those type of moves right there can awesomely derail your whole team, you know, because you're drafting with your heart. You got your favorite player, your favorite team players. Don't do that. And so another thing that, you know, I like to do is, for me, is, you know, I would never draft two kickers or two defenses. So, but you will see teams out there. And you'll People do that? Yeah. Yes, drive, yeah. drive Oh my gosh. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know, it's a bye week. You know, if you got somebody on your team, drop a pull, drop them, pick up a second defense. Then, or if you don't want to drop your defense, swap them out. You know, there's ways to do that. Don't waste um, a late round pick where you can go on, you know, you can throw a dart at a flyer player, you know, that can also be turn out to be a huge player for you later on in the season. So don't waste a late round draft pick on two defenses or two kickers things of that nature so that's things i do and you know positions i usually wait on is the quarterback position you got 32 starting quarterbacks in the league you know you got 10 12 teams in the league you know you're going to end up with a good quarterback at the end of the day and there's going to always be good quarterbacks on the waiver wire for you to pick up later in the year so um and tight end you know the tight end is, is one of the deepest positions lately has it you know that it has been in the you know previous few years you know tight end used to be like maybe four or five good ones and you know if you don't get those it was kind of like hit or miss with the other positions so tight end has actually gotten pretty deep lately so you know those are two positions i decided this year to wait on the tight end and the quarterback i always wait on the quarterback yeah i think to to chime in and piggyback off what you're saying i think that in certain positions that you know are just going to be deep, that is going to be a lot of depth there, whether you're talking about tight end, as you mentioned, or quarterback, whenever you don't get that big name, those that two, you know, the top three or a top four guy, you can go in and, and just wait. Wait it out. Don't feel that, okay, 
let's just say Aaron Rodgers goes off the board and then let's just say after that Cam Newton goes or somebody like that, you don't have to feel that, okay, like right now, the next round, I got to go and let me go ahead and pick Matt Ryan or let me go don't reach on something like that just because, you know, those names are going. When those positions are deep like that, once the top guys have gone, then you wait it out and you stack your lineup with a bunch of running backs, receivers, all of that. And I feel you can wait wait that out um, and get one of those guys later. So as you mentioned, tight end was definitely a case for that. Once Gronk is out there and then you go later for Kelsey or Zach Ertz, after that, kind of wait for a little bit and go and snag a Trey Burton that's later in the draft or go and snag uh, maybe an Evan Ingram or something like that in the later rounds. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's a lot of ways you can approach the draft, but I think the main thing, like I said, is make sure that you're prepared because you can go in that thing and try to act like, oh, I, I'm going to wing it. You know, I know, I know, you know, I've been watching here and there. You know, I know, kind of know what's going on because if you're not prepared, you can end yeah. up wasting your time. Yeah. You know, so I don't know if your league is like our league, but, you know, really, like, you can't afford to, like, you know, not do right. research and just try to wing it because you could end up, you know, losing your season before it even starts. Yeah. Because you, you don't want to rely on trades to no. win your league because it's no guarantee that, you know, people are going to be that friendly to trade with you. So, you know, you want to make sure that you nail that draft because that, that'll be the one, you know, that'll be the way to, to conquer your league. You know, because yeah. I, I know my championship year, my team was drafted. Right. I made no trades. Right. And, and the thing about it, like you were saying in preparation, when you get to the draft, trust your preparation and trust your gut as well. Go with your gut. If there's a guy that you feel that, hey, I probably should take him now, go ahead and take him. Don't think that it's going to automatically, oh, you know what? Maybe he'll fall another round or two and I can get some value. That causes you to lose out on that guy nine out of ten times. If you feel like that's the round that you need to target him and that's what your research has supported, go ahead and snag your player that you want. Definitely, man. So anything else that stood out in our draft that maybe we could, like, you know, teach somebody else, you know, how to approach it? I think, I think that pretty much covers it. I mean, you get you, get, you know those tips and you go into your draft prepared and you go into the draft with those types of strategies and not drafting with your heart but drafting with your preparation, you know, I think that pretty much nails it. Yeah, I agree, man. Uh, again, good luck to all the fantasy players out there. Uh, hopefully you have a great year. I intend to have a great year. Yeah, I, I'm stoked, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm stoked. excited. Yeah. So, um, what's some big things that happen in the NFL? Uh, Teddy Bridgewater to the Saints. Uh, I think it's a great move for us. I'm excited as a Saints fan because it just it gives us that assurance. I think that our GM has been awake for like the past two years. You know, just the way I look at our last draft, and I was telling Lost the other day. Uh, I was like, man, I feel like we got, I feel like we got almost three or four first round picks last year. You know, with Marcus Williams, you know, we got him Marshawn in the, Lattimore. yeah, Marshawn Lattimore with Alvin Kamara, you know, and Ramchick, you know. So I mean, we had an excellent draft, but then you top it off with, you know, Davenport. We, this year we traded up to get Davenport. He looked good in our week three uh, preseason game. It was his first one that he played. He looked real sharp. He was all over the place. So that's turned out to probably be a good pick. And now you get 
uh, Drew Brees' predecessor. And I know as a fan, you know, I, I think I mentioned it on the pod, I was hoping that we took a quarterback with our first-round pick last year. I mean, this year, I'm sorry. But, you know, we didn't go that route. And, you know, now I'm comfortable not doing it if we can make a trade for Teddy Bridgewater who could be, you know, who can learn under Drew Brees for a couple years and then take over. So, And then you, you think about Teddy. Teddy was a, was was is more than capable because, I mean, the Vikings were ready to give him the keys to the car. But, unfortunately, he had that gruesome injury. So, Yeah. So, I, I think I just want to say one note on that Teddy Bridgewater move, which I think was an excellent move. Um so, you know, 12 years ago, the Saints, you know, they gambled, you know, on an injured, riddle player, a 27-year-old quarterback who ultimately turned out to be a Super Bowl quarterback, and that's Drew Brees. And now, you know, they make a trade for a 25-year-old injured, you know, previously injured quarterback, you know, you know, just oozing with talent, you know. And, you know, perhaps, you know, now when you're looking at it with the talent that's around, the young talent you have with Alvin Kamara, Mark Ingram, Michael Thomas, you know, you have that young talent put in place right now for years to carry y'all. And then if he can step in and be the heir apparent of Drew Brees, you know, you set yourself up, like you mentioned, for the next 10 years, you know, same type. I love where the Saints is taking that gamble, that same gamble. You know, the biggest thing is now, um, you know, what y'all do in the offseason when it comes to, you know, because right now, Terry Bridgewater is on a one-year deal. You know, you had a decision, hey, okay, do we pay Teddy Bridgewater, do somebody else offer him a lot of money? You know, do you let Breeze go and just give it? You know, is this Breeze last year? You know, that, I mean, that's too to be determined, but that's just a lot of stuff to think about. I hope, the hope will be is he take a Nick Foles type deal, you know, and then Drew Breeze stick around for another year or two, and he take a Nick Foles, you know, second string deal and step up if needed, you know, like the Eagles did last year. Yeah, I think, like you said, I think you hit the, both of y'all hit the nail on the head with that. I think it was a great move for the Saints. We all know that Father Time is undefeated, and at some time, he's going to come knocking at Drew Brees' door. So you might as well go ahead and get the guy that's going to be uh, his replacement for years to come. So like you said, of course, you have to figure out the contract details. You got to make sure you can keep them locked in. But, I mean, I'm just thinking about the plays. You think about the read option or run-pass option. With Teddy Bridgewater yeah. back then, you got Camaro on the side of him, and you got yeah. Michael Thomas on the outside. Like, yeah. that's Cameron Meredith. Yeah, yeah I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Cameron, man. Yeah. I need you to go hard this year, bro. Yeah. But, but uh, yeah, I like the move for a lot of reasons, as you mentioned. You know, uh, uh, Teddy, you know, like I said, you know, even fantasy wise, you know, I remember people was just like taking him really, really high. Because of the, you know, of the implications, you know, of how he did. Because he didn't have a bad, you know, rookie year. And, you know, people was like, hey, you know, he's going to really, you know, take off this year. But, unfortunately, in camp, he, you know, had that gruesome knee injury. But, you know, he put that behind him. He had, you know, I watched him with the Jets. He looked pretty sharp. And that allowed us to see him to be comfortable making a trade for him. So, you know, I think it's going to work out. And, you know, I'm glad that. My franchise is thinking of the future. Uh, take thinking of the future. Yeah. So. Well, I think now that we're talking about the Saints, um, really, I have the Saints as one of the best teams in the league this year. Um, I'm looking at you You're know a good my man, power. Man. You're I'm a looking good at man. my power rankings and kind of seeing where they fit in the grand scheme of things. So, I mean, I think it's an interesting time 
what do y'all kind of see is at the top of the league this year? So you can give kind of like your top five teams um, that you have for this season. Who would you be looking at? Uh, I mean, Rams definitely have to be in the conversation. Uh, Vikings, uh, Philadelphia Eagles. You know, uh, that's three, right? Four, yeah. three, three, three. Uh, you yeah, didn't say your Saints here. Yeah, Saints, of course. Yeah, I thought that was understood. I mean, I mentioned all NFC team. I'm trying to throw. I mean, you can't you can't count the Patriots or the Steelers. So I mean, that's that. I think that'll be my like five A, five B. So I mean, that'll be no, you can't throw six teams in there. <laughs> <laughs> huh? I, all right, I, I, I throw the Steelers in there. I think Le'Veon will be playing with a chip on his shoulder. So I think that'll catapult them into their top five conversation. And plus, they worked on their secondary, so I think they'll be better defensively this year as well. My top five, you know, when starting at five, you know, I got the Saints. Uh, oh, number four this. position, I got the Jaguars. The oh, number yeah. three position, I got the Vikings. The number two position, I got the Patriots. And in the number one position, I got the Rams. Now, I know that sounds like a home pick. Oh, yeah. Of course, he's going to pick his team. Let me, let, me, let me touch on that a little bit on that. So, you look at this team, you know, a lot of people was concerned about the Rams having, you know, uh, all these young players not on the contract. If you've been watching any news outlets, you know, watching what, what the Rams been doing, they've been locking up their young talent. Word on the street is now the Rams over the weekend, the Labor Day weekend, come back Tuesday, Aaron Donald, you know, he's they're going to announce his big contract, yeah. which is probably break the record for the defensive, deep, highest paid defensive player ever. So you lock up him. You got him. You got Sue. Dominican Sue on the line. You got Aaron Donald on the line. You got Michael Broncos on the line. And you got two of the most ball-hawking cornerbacks, you know, not to mention LaMarcus Jordan and one of the top safe rookie safeties last year, and John, uh, John Johnson. So the defense is there. I didn't even talk about the offense. The offense was the number one scoring offense last year in the league, and they added an upgrade over Sammy Watkins and bring in Brandon Cooks. So you got this team. Only thing that can stop the Rams this year and I'm not, this is not a home page. I promise. The only thing that can stop the Rams this year is the Rams and injuries. So, you know, the Rams was one of the teams that did not play none of their offensive players in the preseason. We put them in bubble wrap, man, because we know what the implications is this year. We know what we're shooting for this year. We don't want one injury to ruin that, the quarterback go down, anything crazy like that. So we know what we have, and we know that it's going to be a special year. I just heard you saying we the whole time doing that, and then you're going to say it's not a homer pick. <laughs> what kind of stuff is this? How did it make sense? It's not a homer pick. But, I mean, I still I have the rounds very uh, high in my top yeah, five. Yeah, definitely. Um, as I run through them, I have the Minnesota Vikings at number five. Uh, then I have the Saints at number four. Um, then I have the Rams actually sitting at number three on my top five. Um, then I still say you can't. As much as I don't like them, you can't go wrong with putting the Patriots at number two. Um, and then at number one, I still, I mean, they're the defending champs, the Super Bowl uh, champs, the Philadelphia yeah, Eagles. my top five. Yeah. But what I look at with the Eagles, you still returning that same vaunted defense as one of the top three defenses in the league. You still got that great offensive line. They got running weapons behind that with Ajayi and Corey Clement and Darren Sproles playing potentially in his last year. I mean, they still did get to the Super Bowl without Carson Wentz. We know that Wentz is going to be back uh, probably 
in the first couple of weeks. I don't think he'll be ready for week one, maybe not week two, but Ooh. Carson Wentz. But I'm thinking probably around week three, week four, he'll probably be back. So it's like, yeah, you about the, yeah Alshon, yeah. you got, you know, uh, Aguilar on the outside too. But. Yeah, no hands Aguilar. <laughs> no hands Aguilar. But, I mean, you're still talking about the defending Super Bowl champs there. So I think it's kind of hard to just say, hey, you know, we just going to dismiss them and throw them off to the side. So, I, I wouldn't dismiss them. You know, they're probably ball with my sixth or seventeen. I just think the Eagles right now, they just got too many question marks. And I know they love playing the underdog role. But that can only go so far for a team. You know, that underdog, you're not sneaking up on nobody. You can play that underdog role and, you know, they have the bad preseason. Nick Foles didn't look the sharpest this preseason and they think everybody's doubting them again. Like, you know, that gets old after a while. Nobody, y'all won a championship, you know what I'm saying? So I think they strung together, you know, a good amount of games last year and they, you know, they just, they got hot at the right time. You know, that's kind of like, they remind me of the Giants a few years ago. You know, they got hot at the right time time and beat, you know, then the undefeated Patriots, you know, in the Super Bowl, and I think they kind of did the same type of thing, but that doesn't happen back-to-back years, and so, in my opinion, I think the Eagles, they're going to be a good team, probably finish around 10-6, something like that. I think they're going to take a step back this year. And I think if it wasn't for that 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 play, you know, the, the, the Minnesota miracle versus my Saints, I think that the Saints would have potentially knocked the Eagles off. Oh, you feel like Camara, huh? Yeah, I feel like I feel like I, I definitely feel like we could have won it and I think we would have probably potentially won the Super Bowl. But that's neither here or there. But I, I think that's a solid top five. Speaking of Jacksonville Jaguars, Jalen Ramsey had a lot to say about his competition or his peers. I just wanted to get y'all thoughts on it. Uh, he said that uh, the well, the most recent quote he said was that uh, you know he was just mentioning about DeAndre Hopkins and how he could have been he could be DeAndre Hopkins quarterback because he's had like a hundred trash quarterbacks. What do y'all think about that? I, I mean, this dude's been mouthing off all off season. <laughs> I mean, I, like I know they're gonna have a target on him, man. I, I mean, I like it though. It brings. It's, I like trash talk. It's competitive sport, man. So many people. This is what I don't like, you know. When you get somebody to come up to a press conference, right, they talking and they give you all these presidential responses. You know, they're saying all the right things. That Every talk, that, you know, they're not saying anything interesting, you know, and it's like, okay, you know, let me cut this off. But as soon as we get somebody up there speaking the truth, which I like, you know, but the media blow it up, go crazy, and it's like, oh, he's saying this and saying this. But when you get somebody authentic and they saying they speaking the truth and they speaking real, you got to cherish that stuff, man, because it's rare. You know how many players that we really get up there and get up there and speak their mind or get in front of a camera and speak their mind? It's, you know, what they call it is coaches talk or players talk, you know, to say the right thing, you know, not necessarily what they really thinking. Jalen Ramsey, one player you don't have to worry about, you know, because he – worry about if he's telling the truth or not. He's going to tell you how it is. I respect that. A lot of people might not like it, but I respect it. I think that, I think, but just more so to talk about, I, I, I agree with you, Jalen Ramsey as a personality. He reminds me of Deion Sanders, you know, with their personality. But more specifically, I want to be messy. I want to talk about the quote. I think he was telling the truth. I think, you know, I, I mean, you look at, you know, Brock Osweiler didn't perform well. You know, you look at he had, you know, now he's a saint, uh, savage. Yeah. Like, DeAndre has had some horrible quarterbacks, but he's still been able to put up big-time numbers. You know, last year it kind of fell off a little bit, but he still well, was a top. Year, what, a year before? Yeah, year before. Last, last year. Yeah, not, yeah, not the Sean year, the year before. So, I mean, 
I mean, DeAndre is an amazing weapon yeah. and is an amazing receiver. So I mean, I think it. I think I think I think Jalen could get under center and still make uh, DeAndre look good. Yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know about that too much because, like you said, Brock couldn't make it work. But I mean, I do agree with him. He has had trash quarterbacks. Um, I know that from fantasy football experience as well. But. And he said Danny Amendola. He said Tom Brady made Danny Amendola look good. I mean, I think Carlos could speak on this being that Danny was a former Ram. I mean, I can't dis- I don't know what he's saying anything wrong yet. I think he's saying. I, oh, he I right. think I think he's saying things that people are afraid to say yeah. because Danny is not is an average receiver. Uh, a, a little above average returner at best, but I mean, Tom got that man looking like a like a star, you know what I'm saying? Over there, you know, and got him that contract in Miami. So yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I can see what he's saying about Danny Amendola. Danny Amendola, I think he's always done well for his role on the team. He's he's in the right place. He makes the right plays. And so, I mean, you know, it just depends on your definition of trash. I believe he called him trash. So, I mean, Damian Dole is just a reliable slot receiver. You know what I'm saying? He's never, you know, he's not uh, a superstar player. You know, I don't think anybody thinks that by any stretch. But, you know, I just, to call him trash, I think that was a little far-fetched. You know what I'm saying? Because, again, <laughs> that he's, he's again. trash. I've seen trash by a receiver that just don't make catches, even if they Who, like Aguilar? <laughs> I just can't wait to actually see how it plays out over the course of the season. I can't wait to see week in and week out once he's matched up with these people and all that, kind of what that's going to turn out to be. But, I mean, I think, honestly, he'll be be able to back it up because I think he's the best corner in the league. He also said Josh Allen is trash. I mean. Which he is. Yeah. No, I mean, Josh ain't trash. He's okay. I mean, he's just a rookie. He ain't even played his first NFL game yet. Man, that dude looked bad, man. He looked bad. He looked bad. He took like five sacks, something like that, his last game. His offensive line is so trash. I was watching that game, bro. He had no protection at all. Like, he'll drop, literally no. drop back, and he has a defender in his face. Maybe on some plays, but he can't no, ball on too long. No, on every too play. Long. Long, he, he's still trying to compensate for his pre-draft rankings, having Josh Allen as his number one quarterback. <laughs> no, man. Yeah, yeah, man. If I was a line can't block, man, Tom Brady couldn't stand behind that line and, and have any type of success. The key to success with these top quarterbacks is offensive line. Drew Brees, great, good offensive line. Tom Brady, good offensive line. Aaron Rodgers, good offensive line. What about Russell Wilson? How yeah. that offensive line was? He got a trash offensive line. All right, and how did he perform last year? He did, was it, what are you trying? Yeah, he did. He performed well. I mean, I know it's going to be my next point. I was like, the only quarterback that really performed well without offensive line is Russell Wilson. But that's because his, his running ability, though. That's what Josh Allen is supposed to have, too, though. He's supposed I mean, to be. Josh Allen, nobody said Josh Allen is Russell Wilson. Well, not that. same time. A quarterback should adjust, man. If you know your offensive line trash, you don't hold on to it too long. You get it out quick. So, I mean, it's a little bit. He takes some ownership on that, too. Man, he's just a rookie, man. Give him a shot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, so, now you're not with Jalen. So, so, other big headlines. Odell got paid. I'm so happy he got paid, bro. Like, he... I think that he just... Like, I noticed he's been quiet a lot lately. You know, he's just been doing it like I'm coming to camp. I'm not holding out. I'm coming. Yeah. I'm going to play in preseason. Like, I think he's been doing everything right because I think he knew that this day was coming. And 
I think that he deserves every bit of it, bro. Like when he, you know, I think that he's one of those generational players that's changing the market of the NFL. Yeah. I think that he's very marketable. I think that he's fun. I think that he's filling up seats. I think his value is far beyond the football field. So I think he's a great receiver. I think he's 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 the number two receiver in the league to me under yeah. AB. Yeah, you know so. Yeah, I, I agree with everything you're saying. Like you said, he's a, the second best receiver in the league. He's going to eventually, within the be next the season or two, be, be the, the best. best receiver yeah. out there. Um, ridiculous talent, like you said. It's not just what he brings to the Giants on the field, but think about all the money he making. Period for that organization. So the money that he's getting, like he's literally worth every single penny, whatever, every single bit of that contract that he got, and he's only ascending at this point. Like we mm-hmm. haven't seen the best or the peak of Odell mm-hmm. yet, and everything that we've seen up until this part has been historic. Yeah, every single thing from Odell that we've seen has been historic. So you talking about a guy that could potentially go down as he's one of the I best ever. Maybe the best ever. Yeah, I mean he's only been he's only four years in, and I mean the thing the pace that he's on he's on as you know his numbers wise is on the pace of having one of the best NFL receiving careers we ever seen. And when I see him on the field, I told y'all the, the other day I think that he's the most right now at this point the most exciting, electrifying player in the NFL, hands down. I agree. He's so exciting to watch uh, with his speed, his route running, you know, just the way he he plays the game. It's like he's, like, heads and shoulders above anybody, you know, on the field. So, I mean, mean, I'm I'm excited just to see him play again, you know, after that gruesome injury last year. But I'm, I'm just... Just glad to see him back and healthy, and you know now he's gotten paid. Now that's behind him, and I think that you know it's well deserved. Man, what, what's your thoughts, you man? Know, you did the Drake side, man. What's going on? <laughs> you know, I hate to be this guy, you know, but I told y'all this, man. I told you. <laughs> Are we gonna let this go, bro? This coming, bro. This it's been five years, bro. Come on now. All right, let's let's, let's get into it for the listeners. What Los is talking about is that uh, during the, in the 2014 draft, uh, you know, it was the big talk of Jarvis Landry and and Odell. They both went to LSU. Me and Ramon, we went to a lot of LSU games when we were in college, so we we was able to see these receivers side by side. So. In college, Jarvis Landry was the better receiver. Yeah, he was the better one in college. Odell was the better athlete. Yeah. And was the was the faster of the bunch. So, me and Ramon, which in 2013, it was not as crazy as it sounds now to say that Jarvis was better than Odell, would be a better NFL receiver. And, of course, Odell got in the league and, it, you know, Jarvis is doing very well. Don't get me wrong. Don't yeah. don't get it twisted. Yeah, he's killing it, too. Jarvis, yeah, Jarvis still, yeah, yeah top, 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 top seven, top seven receiver in the league. But, you know, Odell, of course, is a super, has, you know, Jarvis is a superstar in his own right. But I think that Odell is a mega yeah. rock star, you know. He's and, a transcendent talent. And in that site, Carlos said that Odell will be the better receiver. So we'll yeah, give him did. that. You know, if that. I had a round of applause on the soundboard, <laughs> I'd, I'd give him. Yeah, we got to work on the sound effects. Yeah, give, now, yeah. You know, with all seriousness, though, um, you know, I'm glad he got paid. And, you 
So you look at that team, you know, that team was different when he went down last year. And it was devastating for me and all the fantasy teams out there. And I know that the players don't want to hear about that, but he was on one of my fantasy teams. Yeah, he was he on mine too. It hurt. It hurt my soul. Yeah, it hurt me it's too, like, bro. Because he, he's he's that type of player, man, is that he, he, he can dominate, man, a game by himself, single handle. He can take a slant pass and just go off yeah. and just go, you know. And it's just that, just him being on the field alone changes the whole Giants team, you know, and it's like when that, when he went down, the Giants offense was different, you know, it was it wasn't it wasn't even you couldn't yeah, barely watch different. it, man. It wasn't fun to watch. Yeah. And so that you that type of talent you got locked in. And like y'all mentioned you know, he did everything like y'all mentioned uh, before, he did everything the right way, you know, and you know, he had a lot of stuff circling him and a lot of issues and the dancing and all that other stuff that come with it. The the curly hair that looked like ramen noodles, all that stuff, you know <laughs> <laughs> he got all that stuff, you know you know, going with him, but he did everything the right way this this offseason. He showed up, he practiced, you know, he's coming off an injury, and he got rewarded for it. I love when the team take care of a player, and they took care of him. Yeah, and, I, um, you know, that brings up another interesting point with, with Odell is just, uh, I guess, you know, just him being on the field and, you know, his personality and I think he did a recent interview in, you know, where he said, you know, oh, that was on the, was in the shop. Yeah, the, the shop, shop with LeBron, LeBron, which is an excellent show. If you're not watching it, it's, it's the shop. It's a, with LeBron James. It's airing on HBO, and uh, it's just hey, a show where. Uh, don't give him a thumbs playing. That's LeBron. I'm just playing. I'm playing. Yeah, he gets him. He a Laker now. We're going to give him a plug. Yeah, check it out. It's the shop. It's very interesting. But on that show, Odell was just like, you know, he feels like a zoo animal because of all the attention that people bring, people asking him to dance and everything. I mean, I, I can kind of see what he says, but I probably have a different take than others. But, you know, how y'all feel about that? What, do you, what, do you, what are your thoughts on I mean, I think looking at it, I can feel where he's coming from. You know, a lot of people say... You know, everything, you know, you're in that position. You got to kind of deal with what comes with it. You got to take, okay, if you're going to get the millions and you're going to have the fame, you got to take all that stuff that comes with it. But to me, that's kind of easier said than done. To me, so many times we look at these people, celebrities in any type of uh, situation out there, and we don't factor in it. They still are people just like we are. And so to always have to deal with these certain requests or... I want you to do this or like he was talking about people just telling him randomly to dance on the spot like if you just walking down the street or you just somewhere you may not feel like doing that that day and so you know I can feel I can see where he coming from let me not say I can feel where he coming from because I haven't been in that situation nobody asked you to dance no <laughs> well I mean I guess if I take it back back to the day to my middle school days honestly this is kind of a relevant story but people knew that I could do the moonwalk, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> hey, bro, we got to get a video of this, man. We got to get a video of this. And so when I used to go to uh, Junior Beta Convention, I'm about to really sound like a nerd right now, but when I used to go to the convention, uh, everybody used to always ask me to do the moonwalk. And um, actually, I really did get tired of doing that. And so I can't kind of feel where he's coming from. <laughs> I can't kind of feel where he's coming from, I guess. Is there any video footage we can put on our page? Uh, none, none right now, but I mean, I can still do it, so. Oh, young Usher, I see you. No. But, but no, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, you know, I think when we talked about this earlier in the week, you know, I think, of, you know, we talked about in our little group meet. It, it's, I, I, I feel 
feel where you're coming from, you know? It's like, like you mentioned, you you just want to have a normal day. You know what I'm saying? You just, you want to be a normal person sometimes. I know it comes with territory. Some people say, I wish I was in that situation. But sometimes it comes overbearing when you're constantly dealing with that stuff and you want to, you know, you don't take a picture with somebody or you don't dance for them. They get on Twitter and they blast, you know, everybody. Blast, you know, and oh, it's, he didn't even take a picture with me, blah, blah, blah. And then you look like the bad guy because you said no. I feel like it's okay for these players to say no. It's okay for these players and not hold a grudge against them, you know. Short story for me, you know, Shaq, you know, always been a Lakers fan. He told me no. He shot, shut me down. I, I seen him in a mall in Florida at one time, you know, and I asked for a picture with him. Been the longest Lakers fan all my life. He told me no, you know. Yeah, I kind of was mad at the time, but then I let it go, you know, because I understood, you know. Now that I'm older, I understand it. Sometimes I just want to be a regular person and not deal with all the outside stuff, you know, and I, I get it. I get it. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think anybody, you know, that's logical would, I guess, disagree uh, with, with how he feels because, like you said, you know, everybody has a, a right to, you know, their privacy and, you know, everybody, you know, I understand all, everything he was saying, but I guess the thing that, that kind of rubs me a little bit, and I love Odell. I'm a huge Odell fan. I'm going to preface this before I say this with that. I love Odell. You know, one of my favorite players in the league. But I think that what, you know, when I look at it, it's, it's kind of like I, I just don't want to, you know, hear you complain about it you know what i'm saying like i don't want to hear that because i'm just like man you just signed a hundred million dollar contract you're a superstar a great personality in the league a great representative of the league and you show yourself as a fun person so i mean i think that that's going to come with you know your status or going to come with it i guess it's not so much of i don't understand how he feels but i just really feel like it kind of comes off the wrong way when you complain about it publicly. Like, I don't feel like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I just be like, you've, you've hoped for this day your whole life. You know what I'm saying? And this is what comes with that. You know, it's not, you know, you're not going to be a hundred, you know, you're not going to be a hundred million dollar receiver, you know, without, you know, you know, not being able to go somewhere without anybody recognizing. You know, Dell's beyond the football field. Like, I don't think there's a place in this, in this world that Odell can go. And nobody's going to recognize him, you know, because he's a superstar. So I just feel like it comes with the territory. And I feel like when you complain about it, like he, you know, when, like he, it kind of comes off the wrong I, way. I, But I think to me, the way I looked at it, you got to look at the situation he was in. All right. Of course, we know they filmed this show. We know everybody going to see it. We, we get that. But the whole thing is supposed to be for these athletes to just be able to be real in that moment. Mm -hmm. To be amongst each other and just like, you know, sometimes we'll talk and we'll run it and maybe not everybody hear what we saying. But that's that type of method and that type of situation he was in where I'm just talking to another brother. So I'm talking to LeBron who experiences this. I'm talking to Draymond Green who can attest to this. And I'm just sharing what it feels like for me as an athlete as well. So I think we got to look at it, too. It's not, you know, like he just ran to the media and said, blah, 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 this and that. It's also, to me, the setting that he was in, and he felt that, okay, I can be open about this. Just like how LeBron talked about his situation of going to a predominantly white school and all of that, and so and how he felt dealing with that. So I think in those things, it wasn't to just so come out publicly and let me just complain about this. It was let me be real in this setting 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, I could see that. I mean, I, I just like I said, I mean, I'm not in that position, so I would know, you know. So I mean, it's hard to speak on situations where you don't know. I can't tell him how to feel or whatever. That's why I say I respect what he said and I respect how he feels. But then again, I just be like, hey, look, you know, what I'm saying you dreamed about this your whole life. This is what comes with that lifestyle. So you know. You know, that's how I feel about it. But, you know, as for what he said, I, I don't see anything wrong with what he said other than I'm just like, hey, why, you know, okay, dog. Like, you didn't know that when you become a famous receiver or when you're the second best, one of the top five, top ten players in the whole league, that this is what would come with it. So it's kind of like that, you know. So, I mean, but, you know, I wish him well. Stay healthy. Have a great year this year. I, I think he will. I think he's going to explode. I wanted him on my fantasy team, but I just couldn't. You still got another drive, huh? Yeah, you that's true. Like two more drives? I doubt he falls to 10, to that 10th spot, though. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so um, other NFL news. Oh, one more thing about Odell that will make him amazing and great, too, is that nobody wants to talk about it. But he extended Eli's career. Yeah, yeah <laughs> he extended yeah. Eli's career, now bro. Eli got Saquon to help him out with that. Too. I mean, Eli literally throw it to a ten-yard slant yeah. route, and Odell runs the other eighty for the touchdown. Yeah. Oh, but it goes down as a ninety-yard touchdown pass by Eli. Yeah. Eli, Eli ain't slick, man. Just like Eli was talking all that trash about Odell, how he needs to calm down. And when now you notice he's been hush mouth lately. Cause he know he know that boy extended his career. Yeah, he know what it felt like last year not having him. Man, he owe he's he owes Odell. He needs to be paying some of that hundred million dollars out of his paycheck for what Odell has done for his career. Yeah, yeah. And in the same with thing with Ben, but Ben ain't disrespectful to A B. Nah, Cause A nah. B extended his career. But that's neither. Hopefully, um hopefully uh T.Y. Hilton can extend Andrew Luck's career. Hey, chill out. Chill out. Stop taking jabs, bro. No, but, uh, so, Thursday, actually, the college football season opened up tonight. We, we recording on a Thursday, but, you know, Saturday is the real deal. So, what matchups are you looking forward to this weekend? I know me personally, I'm looking forward to the Auburn-Washington game. I think that one comes on like two o'clock. Yeah, that one's coming on Saturday. That that one's gonna be an interesting matchup. I think when we look at that one, I think the biggest thing to focus on is the battle in the trenches. And the reason why I say that is because Auburn's offensive line is terrible, and Washington's defensive line is great. Is great. And so you got to see if uh, Jerry Stidham is actually gonna be able to stay upright. Because, I mean, I think what Auburn gave up with 36 sacks or something yeah. like that last year, yeah. in, all, in pretty much all the big games, Jerry Stidham kind of stayed on the ground half the game almost. So now you come and you lost your best offensive Carry lineman. On. You lost Carrion, yeah. but you lost your best offensive lineman in Braden Smith, who went to my Colts or whatever. Um, oh, what a and, plug. Right, right. So you lost that and now you matching up with this week one, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a, a battle. Uh, are you expecting a high scoring game? Um Yeah. So yeah, I can see it. I can see it being that. I think all, uh Washington has an explosive offense, um, led by of course Jake. I think Jake Browning 
will have a shake back year. Is it just me or it seems like he's been in college forever? Forever. <laughs> forever. Jake been in college. Jake, are you going to graduate, he Jake? He started when we started undergrad. Bruh. <laughs> God. <laughs> no, I'm saying he ain't in there that long. I was about to say, <laughs> bro. For a point of reference, we started undergrad in 2010. Yeah. So, but, uh, but no, he's been there for a while. But I think this year he has a shake back year and could potentially be um, in that Heisman race. So, yeah, I think it's going to be a good game. Yeah, I, I'm really looking forward to that one, man. I think another one, of course, you know, we're going to get to the to the big one, probably the last or whatever yeah. that we the most focus on. Yeah. But I think another interesting one is Michigan versus uh, Notre Dame. I yeah. think that's going to be a very interesting game. Um, I look at Michigan. This is kind of a a year that Harbaugh got to bounce back. Yeah. You know, last year they went 8-5. and five. You talk about the big name Harbaugh. Um, and now they went and added Shea Patterson, who was a guy that we know really well from being in the SEC at Ole Miss. Should have been an LSU Tiger, but I won't go too in-depth on that. Um, and you see him matching up with Notre Dame, a team we got a connection with because we lost to them in the bowl game this past mm-hmm. year. I think it'll be a high-profile matchup. Uh, Michigan's defense is going to be probably pretty insane this year. What time that one come on Saturday? Ooh, I'm not sure what time it come on Saturday. I, I forgot, but it's going to um, – it's definitely one it that – It sounds like it'll be an afternoon game. Yeah, definitely one that you want to be tuned into. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested in that. Uh, I know Bama probably going to roll all over Louisville, but I'm interested in that <laughs> Alabama-Louisville game just by virtue of the fact that uh, you got, you know, the quarterback controversy. I, I'm, I'm, I, they've been very quiet about yeah. it. So I'm really, really looking. I just want to see what's gonna happen and you with that. You see that they basically named them as co-starters. Yeah, that's what said, I. Yeah, yeah like eventually they're gonna have to like you know, look. He's you know this is the guy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think Jalen gonna transfer after this year. Yeah. I, I, I he'll, mean, he'll graduate in December and he'll be out of there. Yeah, you know, and, it, and we've always said Jalen was Jalen was a is a is a manager. You know what I'm saying? He wasn't really like. A quarterback, you know, yeah. and I think that you know I can't pronounce his name, and I'm not gonna. Oh, to Tiger Valoa. Dang, even practicing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna just call him Tua. Two. But uh, I mean, Tua. We know Tua is amazing. I mean, you come off the bench and just in the biggest game yeah. of your life, and just you know lead your team to the championship in a comeback. Yeah. You know, and you know, Jalen wasn't really playing horrible, but you know, he wasn't playing good. And uh, you know, in the championship game, but you know, I think that Tua, you know, is 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 I think he's better than Jalen. I mean, Jalen's yeah. an athlete, but you know, Tua has Heisman potential. Mm-hmm. I just say that Tua. That's gonna be something tough for for LSU. You know, we are LSU fans. That's gonna be tough for us to face year in and year out. Yeah. So I mean, so, getting to that to me, that's the last big one that yeah. we. Well, I wanted to talk about. Uh, our na- we knew who we named our starting quarterback, uh, Joe. Oh, okay, okay, okay. okay. What you expecting? You told me like three weeks ago you was expecting big things out of Joe this year. Yeah, I, I like Joe Burrow. First of all, just kind of how Los was talking earlier about coaches speak. Uh, we know Coach O just basically having coaches speak, saying you know we were still determining who the starter is going to be. We're giving them grades and all that. Everybody knew when Joe Burrow transferred, he was getting that. He was getting that starting. Night. He wouldn't have transferred if he right. wasn't. Right, yeah. and so you talk about it. You see him coming from a program like Ohio State. Uh, really, that quarterback battle came down to the end between him and Dwayne Haskins, and Haskins is one of the best quarterbacks out there. Um, and some of the players still on that Ohio State team 
still feel that Joe really could have gotten that start nod. And um, I want to say, I can't remember who exactly, but they said that uh, that Joe is going to turn into Tom Brady. Joe Burrow is the next Tom Brady. That's so, left to see. Right, that's left to see. But um, I'm not expecting him to, like, just rock it straight off and just kill it from day one. But I think as the course of the season goes on, he's going to get stronger and stronger. He's going to know the playbook even better and better. He's going to get familiar with his targets. And uh, I think he's going to have a, a really good year. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean I'm, I'm just looking forward. I'm just watching to see. I mean, one of the things that really kind of – uh, kind of, you know, got me a little, you know, okay with it. But it's just based on the fact that, I mean, he went to Ohio State. I mean, I saw JT Barrett go out with a knee injury, and I saw uh, the next guy step up, like, and it was the next best thing, like nothing. I'm just saying that to say this, man, that, that quarterback battle in, in college, and more specifically Ohio State, Urban Meyer does a good job of recruiting. And, I mean, the guys that are, you know, you got five stars third string quarterback that don't mean that they're trash it just yeah. means that it's just so the competition so tight so being that he's come from that culture you know it, it does give me and you made me see this you know it makes me look at it a little differently and give him a chance because uh, uh i mean I, I look at lsu man we i don't know man we got a tough schedule i mean good thing a lot of like we got georgia at home we got florida at home we got bama at home but I mean, that really kind of you know these, these are some tough games, bro. Yeah, we 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 starting off with Miami yeah. to start the season, and you know now we can get into the game. Miami, yeah, which, what you expecting Sunday night? Unfortunately, I think, and you know, it's gonna take a coach change. Yeah, I agree. You know, with I, I agree. Unfortunately, with him with him being on the high seat this year, and you know, they just made bad decisions with the coaching. You know, and that's where our downfall is, and. You know, when you have a, a coach like that, people, players don't trust. You don't, you don't get the top recruits as you did. You know, which surprisingly, we've been getting some pretty good recruits still. But I, I just feel like it's coaching right now. And you know, our offense is, we don't, we can't decide if we want to be a spread offense, if we want to be, you know, uh, I, you know, a, a stack fullback offense. You know, offense we just need to find a direction and stick with it. And I think that all starts with coaching. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be an interesting year, honestly, uh, for LSU. I think every year I go in and I'm like, end up being optimistic about what's going to happen and then we have a fallout. For some reason, I'm finding myself in that same position again where I'm optimistic, not thinking that I don't think we're going to be like a college football playoff contender or anything like that. But the one thing I will say about this team, and it's what we've had so much in the past, the defense is going to be elite. If we can just get something out of that offense, something out of that offense, <laughs> that defense is, is elite. We got, I mean, you look at even a lot of times we look at stuff, NFL draft prospects and all that. We got two of the top ten prospects on our defense, two of the top six uh, based upon Mel Kuyper's rankings with Devin White at linebacker and then Greedy Williams on the outside at corner. Um, so I think looking at even two, like this game, specifically the Miami game, I think it's going to be a, a defensive struggle basically the entire game. You're talking about two defenses that are probably top 10 defenses. You're talking about two defenses that can force turnovers. And you're talking about two offenses that haven't really proven much to me. Um, not really a big fan of Mal uh, Malik Rozier over there in Miami. I think he's pretty turnover prone. I think Greedy or maybe even Christian Fulton gets an interception off of him. 
uh, this weekend. And then at LSU, you're talking about, I do like Joe Burrow, but you just breaking him in for his first game. You just brought him in during the fall, so he wasn't with the team in the spring, during the summer and all that. So, I mean, it's going to be very interesting to see, uh, yeah. to say the least. Well, I mean, I, I know our listeners are hyped for this Miami LSU because uh, I am. <laughs> yeah. You got me hyped for the game. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think that, you know, it's going to be an interesting matchup. I'm looking forward to seeing it on Sunday night leading into that Labor Day in Dallas Stadium. Um, any other matchups you're looking forward to? Or that's, that's, yeah, I think those yeah. are the main yeah, ones. Yeah, the rest the of them are like cupcake matchups. Yeah. Like, who cares about right. Southeastern and, and, and ULM? Ooh, oh. <laughs> Don't bring it up, too, because you but, know they've been having the uh, – have you seen the Southeastern and LSU beat? Oh, my gosh, on? bro. Because we play them, I think, with the second yeah, week. Yeah, we play them next weekend. And so they've been having that beat going on. If they don't thing. get out of here, that game going to be over in the first quarter, man. Yeah, so I don't know. I, I'm interested. Uh, so we mentioned Ohio State. We gotta mention the Obermeyer crisis really yeah, quick. Yeah. I don't know how I want to unpack this. I, I mean, I mean, basically, you know, it's another thing. Like, like, like Coach Fratino went through. It's kind of like when your assistant done it. You know, as the head coach, if you know about it, then you have to speak up about it. You know, and you know his apparently his assistant coach was you know beating his wife. I mean, abusing <laughs> abusing his, his significant yeah. other, and he knew about it, but because it didn't really make meet the the meet uh make the media, then Urban swept it on the rug. Does that make you look at Urban a little differently? Yeah, I mean that definitely makes me uh look at him differently and see that he has questionable character, honestly. Because to me, even too, once it, let's just say even too, once it has hit the media, and then once he got his suspension or this or that, even when he came and spoke, he never had like a genuine apology or anything like that. He had to come back after his initial statement, after people got on him and say, you didn't even mention, you know, the victim or anything like that. Then he came finally back and said, you know, he apologized for blah, 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 this and that. But... You know, I think it's just one of those things. Like you said, he just swept it under the rug because he had a relationship with this assistant coach. That assistant coach was actually related to, like, his mentor or something like that. So you have even a deeper tie than just it being the assistant coach. And he let that get in the way of him making a decision that he claims that he would make as a coach. He said in the past that he would never let something like that happen. And then now it comes out that you did let it happen. Yeah, I mean, do you think that? Do you think that this is it, or do you think that it'll continually build to where Ohio State have to be like, okay, look, we all have to let you go as our head coach. No, this is it. He's gonna do his time, and you know, the season's gonna get started. By the end of the season, this will be in the, the back burner. You know, this is you know that we got three game suspension. I think this is it. You know, unless something else comes up or something else unraveled from this situation, I think it's it. You know, unfortunately. Yeah, I think. Uh, I mean, I just think about the Sandusky and the Patino and how that went down, and I just think about you know, it just continually got worse when it first came out. Okay, Sandusky was you know uh, sexually assaulting um, young men. You know, then that was it. You know, and then 
you know, Penn State came out and said, okay, you know, it just, it just, it just, it, it, it just spiraled out of control so quickly. It was like you thought it was over. Sandusky's fired. That's it. But then it's like, wait, Patino, you know, he's been doing this all these years. Patino had to know about this. And then ultimately it became to the end of his career, you know, rest in peace. Now he's, you know, but, you know, I just look at it how kind of it just spirals into that, you know, or could something potentially come up out, up out of this to make Ohio State have to part ways with him? Yeah, I mean, I think it ultimately comes down to kind of how you're saying if more details come out, some things that, you know, are uncovered that, hey, he covered up this situation too. Or blah, blah, blah. He lied about this, too. But I think if it stands the way it currently stands, I lean to agree with Lois and just say that pretty much he's going to serve his suspension. Um, and then he'll be right back coaching. And I think that he'll have somewhat of a, a tainted mark on his name. And he should have that mark on his name um, because he shouldn't have covered that up. But honestly, I think that that school just wants him there too bad. They value winning so much there. And I think that they just going, you know, okay, he did his three games. We gave him a slap on his wrist and try to, you know, yeah. make it go away. And the thing about it disappointed me because I'm an urban fan. Like, you know, just when he had his little battle with cancer, you know, and then he had his little stint with ESPN. He was an analyst. I really liked his analysis of the sport. You know, and just, you know, he just seems such like a nice guy. You know, it just seemed like he just, it just kind of was like, really? You know, it's almost to the point where he was like, nah, Urban didn't do that. He didn't do that. Oh, man, yeah, he did do that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because that's just how likable of a person he, you know, perceives to be. But I guess everybody has their flaws, so, you know. But uh, I thought that was interesting just to mention Urban. So, you think Ohio State, you know, you think they, I guess, will become like a contender in that college playoff again. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They, I mean, they still got all the talent out there. And then within the first three games, I mean, I think they play one ranked opponent within those first three. So he's going to come back to a team that's 3-0. and And they got all the talent in the world from Dwayne Haskins to them having potentially the number one pick in Nick Bosa um, on their defensive. They say he's better than his brother. Yeah. Yeah, he, he's ridiculous. You got J.K. Dobbins there running back. Um, I mean, they got talent all over the field. They have weapons all over the field. So, there'll be a team that's that's definitely in the mix. Yeah, we got about two two or three of his old weapons. <laughs> Von Bell, Michael Thomas, and Marshawn Lattimore. Yeah. Talking about the Saints. So, everything drop, comes back in full circle. <laughs> So, I mean, I think we just about covered it, man. Anything else, y'all, on your mind or something? No. That's, I mean, we touched pretty much everything. This is, man, it's been fun. It's been fun. Yeah, we, man, we ran it for a whole hour. It don't even feel like an hour, does it? Yeah, that time passed by quickly. Yeah, so we appreciate you for rocking with us again. Shout out to all the listeners on uh, on Apple Music and on Stitcher. Make sure that you are showing love on our social media accounts. Oh, underscore, bitch, woman. Right? Oh, yeah, Google Play. Because, <laughs> man, Apple everything. Okay, all right. Now, you keep going with what you're saying. You keep going. <laughs> so, make sure that you're messing with us on our social media. O underscore, bench, woman on Twitter and Instagram. And make sure that you are subscribing and make sure that you are sharing. We appreciate all the love and support. Only big yes, things are coming from here, so we about to head on out. Yes, right. sir. So I just want to plug in on. I really appreciate you guys for 
appreciate you guys. And you can follow me myself at Mr. Carlos Burrell at Mr. M-R-C-A-R-L-O-S B-U-R-R-E-L-L um, on Twitter. Thank you. All right. All right. Appreciate <laughs> it. Y'all have a good one, man.